You're listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us at 1pc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee. The scripture this morning is from the Gospel of John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12. Before we read the Scripture, let us pray. Father God, we we thank You for the blessing that we have to be able to read Your Scripture. It's not serendipity or coincidence that it has been faithfully preserved for us. We know that it is by your providence, uh, shown by the blood of martyrs and by the courage of people inspired by your word. Help us to understand, to approach it reverently, and to know that we cannot understand it uh, unless we first seek to know you, and we seek to know your scripture only by your spirit. Help us that your Spirit will be with us, that we may understand the Word that is written for us. In your Son's name we pray, Amen. Found on 895 of the uh, Church Bible. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but it is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. The word of God for the people of God. So they're in the temple. Um, They have uh, had Jesus first say, uh, that, you know, if anyone's thirsty, come to him, come to him who is the water of life. Um, and, and then he says, I'm the light of the world. Um, and he's, he's spoken on both of these. There's been confrontation, discussive witnesses. But with, with that in the background of Jesus being uh, the, the waters, of Jesus being the light, um, we, we hear this story that he passes by 
and they see a, a man who is blind from birth. He's always uh, been blind, always been in darkness. And th- so it raises a question. The, the disciples say, um, is he being punished for his own sin or is he being punished for his parents' sin? And there seems to be in there kind of the assumption that obviously he's being punished because that's the way the world works, we tend to think. Bad people have bad things happen to them. Good people have good things happen to them. We, we do bad and, and we, we have it come back on us. We understand karma. You know, we just get what, what's coming to us. And Jesus says it's not that this man sinned and not that his parents sinned. It's not a matter of blame. It's not a matter of sin. It's so that the works of God might be shown, that he might be a way that God's glory is revealed through this. And then he says that it's day, and as long as the Son of Man is here, the light of the world is here, it is day, and in the day is when you do work. So uh, it's interesting, verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. He's including the disciples in this, we must work. We must work of the one who sent me. Um, and so saying that, he spits on the ground and made mud with his saliva. Possibly the grossest miracle we can think of. By the way, the, the Greek word for spit there is patuo. There's no theological significance to it. It's just, is that not the best possible word for spitting? Patui. Patuo. He makes mud, and he puts it on the man's eyes. And we think, why in the world is Jesus doing this? Well, there's all sorts of really spiritual um, kind of ways of interpreting this. I, you know, the, as, as I've reflected on it, the best I can think is, it's amazing how different Jesus' healings are, but he always heals based on the context that the person is in. And he meets the person in their need. There's, there's times when a woman who is um, wanting to be healed, she touches the hem of his garment and uh, he points out everything. She's healed, but he wants everybody to see. And part of that is this woman's kind of been secluded and he wants to make sure that she's brought back in the community and everybody sees that she is healed, I think. And we hear stories where Jesus um, heals a deaf person um, using motions. He, he pulls the man aside and he, he makes motions and points so that the person who's being healed understands. And here we see him doing something that would be very noticeable as the man feels the, the, the mud, the clay on his eyes. And is told to go wash. He's participating in this and he feels it and he knows it. And I think there's a sense in which, you know, he shows to people who can see and he touches people who need a touch and he speaks to people who need to be spoken to. He heals in a way that's relevant to their context. So he, he heals this man. The man goes and wash and he comes back seeing. And everybody around is saying, is this the man who used to beg and who used to sit? And others are saying, no, it just looks like him, which is a whole lot of irony that the people who are his neighbors can't really see him. And he says, yeah, it's me. <laughs> and they ask, well, how, how did it happen? And he just says, you know, in a really simple way, this is what I know. Jesus told me to, he put mud on my eyes and told me to go wash. And I did, and now I can see. Um, 
this, this man um, is then asked, where is he? But he doesn't know. So, I mean, it's this, this response of I don't know. And, you know, interesting that Jesus, the one who is sent from the one above, who is the, the source of life, sends the man back to water to wash in a pool that is called scent. He's using all this to display and to show us who he is, the one who gives us sight and one that gives us vision. And the, the whole miracle points to who Jesus is and what he does for us. Um, but as we look at these first few verses discussing this miracle, I want us to think of um, what this man shows us a lot about our assumptions about sin and the way we come to Christ. Jesus, did this man sin or was it his parents? Because obviously somebody has done wrong. Do you ever feel like that? Do you, do you ever, when, when something bad has happened to you and you're hurting and you're suffering and you feel loss and you feel grief, do you, do you ever think to yourself, I must have sinned? And maybe you can point to specific things in your life. God is getting me for this because um, I didn't go to church enough. God must be getting me. Or I didn't say my prayers for a while. God must be getting me. Or I've really struggled with this and I haven't given up. God must be getting me. I, I think there's something in us because we are constantly feeling some sense of guilt. That when something happens to us, there, there are some of us who tend to take that and look for it as a sign of God's displeasure and God's punishment and our sense that we've done something wrong. You know, the, the word for the word Satan, the devil's job is he's the accuser. And part of what his job is, is to make you feel guilty, um, to, to bring the things you have done that are wrong. And yes, we've sinned. Yes, we do wrong. But there's a sense in which he's saying not everything that we experience is, is a result of that sin. And, and to interpret everything that we do as a sign of God's, God's displeasure misunderstands his grace, misunderstands what God is doing. Because if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. Every bit of your punishment has been taken to the cross. And whatever you experience in this world is not punishment. Because Jesus has taken that. So look at what Jesus is saying in your own life. And if you have a tendency to look and say, well, this has happened because I was such a lousy parent. Or this has happened because I failed at this. Understand, sometimes we suffer because we have the consequences of sin. But other times, we just suffer. It's just part of this world. It's part of this broken world. Sometimes... Things just happen to us. And God is at work in it and God is controlling it, but it's not because he's getting us for our sin. And we need to see that about ourselves, but we also need to see about other people because I think there's a tendency that we, I don't know, I, I don't want to say this is something that everybody does, but I see it in my own heart that when I see something that's gone wrong, I kind of want to look and see what somebody did wrong to deserve it. Do you do that? Do you, like I, I hear a story of, um, you know, somebody whose child has made a mistake 
And I, I have conversations and where some parents are saying, well, if those parents hadn't been so strict, that child wouldn't rebel. And the other parents will say, well, if, if they hadn't been so loose, that child wouldn't have been so free. And it's just, well, I've had a kid. <laughs> they have minds of their own. They do crazy things. You know, it's just, it's not like you can point back and say, if I'd only done this. And don't we do that? We, we see somebody else's illness. We see somebody else's suffering. And there can be the temptation to work everything into some sort of technique that if they had done, only, done everything in their life, the more the way I would have done it, they wouldn't be suffering this way. Robin loves the fact that um, it, it helped. Keelan was a wonderful eater. We used to buy the most disgusting baby food we could just to see if she would eat it, and almost everything she would. She just loved food, any kind of flavor she was good, you know, anything she, she really got into. And Robin just always kind of thought, oh, I'm a wonderful mother, you know. <laughs> I've, I've done this right. And then Graham wouldn't eat a Pop-Tart one time because there was a crack in the icing. <laughs> <laughs> Any vision that what her eating habits had to do with us as parents was dissipated with Graham's eating habits. And uh, Robin is a picky eater, so I've, I've very much enjoyed her encouraging Graham to eat things she wouldn't eat. I've gotten off topic. Let me get back. And we try to, we see other people's issues and we see people's problems and, and, and we see that, hey, maybe if they had done this or if they had done that better. Don't you realize evil just happens to people sometimes? I mean, within God's sovereignty and within God's purpose and with God's control, but it's not because somebody did something wrong. It's not because they sinned or their parents sinned. This world is broken and every one of us is a sinner. But every one of us is all somebody who's been sinned against. And every one of us is a victim of that hurt and the brokenness. So ease up on yourself and ease up on others. Because when Jesus sees this, he doesn't see an opportunity to place blame and to correct and find a way he could have solved this problem if he had only done it better, if the parents had done something better. But what Jesus sees is an opportunity that the works of God might be displayed. What would it be if you looked at people who are suffering and are hurting and rather than trying to step back and see where, the, pay, you know, where the, the blame or the fault is and how they could have done better, what if you saw that person as someone so that the works of God might be displayed? When Jesus is saying that, he's not saying, because this person is going to do something wonderful and we're going to see how good uh, they are for God. What he says is, here is an opportunity of need. Here is a want and I'm going to reach in and I'm going to bring healing to this person. And God's works are going to be displayed in their life because they receive that healing. Because their needs are an opportunity for grace. They're, they're a room for Jesus to step in and make a difference in this person's life. And we can see around us others who have needs and who are suffering and are hurting and we can see them as something we can kind of judge and think of, or we can see them as opportunities for God's work to be displayed as we reach in with love and with grace and comfort and peace and our own weakness and our own suffering. Um, here's this man who had needs. 
Jesus heals it and everyone sees God's glory displayed in that healing. And we do that a little bit every time someone reveals to us their need and we show God's love to them. We, we've been in a season in this church where there are some serious hurts and some serious grief and lots of confusion and lots of fear. And one of the things in that that has been a, a glimpse of light in of the darkness and not that we would take any of that for this, but one of the glimpses of light is to watch you step into the lives of people who are hurting and who are in darkness and who are in need and to show the work of God in the lives of those in our midst and those around us. It has been a beautiful thing to watch you uh, step in with healing and and. Be the body of Christ as you show God's works in these needs that are not because they sinned or their parents sinned, but have given us an opportunity to show God's work in that darkness. May we do that more. May we look at our neighbors and see the lives of needs and hurts that are opportunities that God's works might be displayed as God works through his church and his people who are proclaiming the gospel and sharing the love and giving grace where it is needed in tangible ways. And it's also for us as we come to Jesus, as we come as part of this community, you know, we get up on Sunday and we put on our best clothes, put on nice clothes. We, we want the kids looking good. If you don't, people will take a picture of your son and show it to your wife. If you don't do it right, but we want our children looking the best. We, we want everything to be nice. And we come and we, we, we hope we've done all the fussing in the car before we get here so we're not hearing the screams in the parking lot. And we want to present our best and strongest. And at church, we want everybody to see our gifts and our talents and our abilities. I mean, that's just, you know, we want to put on the best we can. But maybe what you need to realize is when you come in your, I mean, still dress up, take a bath, comb your hair. It's, you look very nice and I appreciate it. So it's good for me to look, but, but we do that spiritually. We, we want everybody to think we have it all together, that our families are perfect, that we, you know, our children go to bed when we say go to bed and, and that we, we, you know, never argue with our spouse or we, you know, that all these things are together. We want to look like we are the sanctified Christians Jesus is making us. But maybe we ought to come more like this man who is blind. His need and his weakness of the one who was a beggar is a gift to the disciples to see Jesus at work. And as we're gathered around in our Sunday schools or tables on Wednesday nights, and if we're able to say, you know, I'm really struggling with this job, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about my kid starting school, or pulling aside somebody and saying, you know, I'm, I'm really at, um, in disagreement with my spouse over this, maybe those needs and those weaknesses and the realization and sharing with others that we aren't quite there yet, are the opportunities God gives and gifts God gives to show his work in your life.
It is a beautiful gift to show your weakness and give someone opportunity to help you and to show love that they have received. It's so much harder to give that honest weakness to someone. It's so much easier when you're doing good to, to brag about that. And one final thing I love about this story is as you come to Christ, as you come to Christ in your weakness and you realize you need him and you need others, is you don't have to have all the answers. You know, some, sometimes you might be struggling because you don't have everything figured out. Come with what you know. Jesus loves you. He died for you and draws you to himself. And you'll learn more as you go. The man here, he will grow. He will learn more. He will come probably to a point as great as anyone else in the Gospel of John to understand who Jesus is later in this, in this chapter. But at this point... Where is this man? I don't know. In some sense, all he knows is Jesus told him to do something. He did it and he's healed and he doesn't have any other answers. And that's an okay spot to be in for us. Now unto him who is able to do more than we can ask or imagine be honor and glory and power forever. Amen. And you've been listening to a sermon from the preaching and teaching ministry of First Presbyterian Church, Covington, Tennessee. Our mission is to proclaim Christ's kingdom through word and deed. You can learn more about us and listen to other sermons at onepc-covington.org or join us for worship at 403 South Main Street, Covington, Tennessee.